Welcome to Accounting 101, Episode 13, How to Dominate Indirect Cash Flow Statements, Fake Cash Method. If you recall from our episode on the introduction to financial statements, there were two methods used to present the statement of cash flows, the direct method and the indirect method. The indirect method is much more commonly used, and today we are going to go over a trick to help you make the dreaded indirect cash flow statement very understandable. If you have not listened to episode 1 and 2, and probably episode 4, you may want to listen to those episodes before continuing to listen to this episode. This method is only going to be valuable if you understand the ALRI concepts from episode 2. You should recall from episode 4 that the statement of cash flows is broken up into three reporting sections operating, investing, and financing. It goes in that order. Operation Iraqi Freedom for me. If you think of something else that works for you, good. Cash flow from operating activities are the activities from your ongoing operations. This is going to be the cash flow from transactions that affect the net income of the company. Cash flow from investing activities are the activities from capital expenditures, which is another way of saying the purchase of fixed assets. It's also investments made and any gains or losses from investments. This is going to be the cash flow from transactions that affect non-current assets of the company. Cash flow from financing activities are the activities from loans and the activity between the company and the owners of the company. This is going to be the cash flow from transactions that affect the debt and equity of the company. So on the statement of cash flows, you will always see the beginning cash balance, and this will agree to last period's ending cash balance if you look at the balance sheet from last period. You will also see an ending cash balance on the statement of cash flows, and this will agree to the ending cash balance on the balance sheet for this period. The indirect cash flow statement starts with net income, and then it makes adjustments to cash for income and expense items that do not affect cash. Keep in mind that we are using an accrual method of accounting, so our net income is being affected by sales or expenses where money has not yet changed hands. So for example, if we had a $1 million sale on the last day of the year, that is going to be in our net income, but we did not receive any cash for it. So what we are doing in the indirect method is we are unwinding these things to get to the actual change in cash for the period. So the indirect method looks at the changes in balance sheet accounts to determine the cash effects. In essence, what you are doing is solving algebraically for cash. If we know that assets equals liabilities plus equity, we can break down our assets into cash and non-cash assets. So if we express that same equation as cash assets plus non-cash assets equals liabilities plus equity, we can subtract non-cash assets from both sides. That leaves us with cash equals liabilities plus equity minus non-cash assets. And that's what we're doing here in the indirect method, but it's not formatted like that at all. When you're doing this in the real world, you should be working off a template from last year. and That's going to make knowing which accounts are going to be affected in each section pretty easy. You only need to be on the lookout for unusual items. In your accounting class, there's a chance that you will have to create an indirect statement of cash flows from scratch, or the professor fills in part of it, or you are being asked how a change in this account or that account affects cash. The point of this episode is not to tell you what goes in each section. You need to memorize that yourself. The point here is to show you how to figure out whether the item will be an increase or a decrease to cash. Let's get into the fake cash method and do a few examples to illustrate. 
So let's assume from last period to this period, our accounts receivable increased by $20,000. And we had $100,000 of net income in this period. What would our cash flow from operations look like assuming these are the only transactions that occurred? Let's first look at it logically. Say our accounts receivable balance was 50,000 at the end of last period, and now it's 70,000 at the end of this period. The numbers don't really matter, but that's our $20,000 increase. Well, we know that in order to increase our accounts receivable, we would have had to debit accounts receivable for $20,000 because it's an asset. And at the same time, we would have made a credit to sales for $20,000. That's the net result of the transactions that we would have made. It could have been multiple transactions. Well, what that means is that our $20,000 increase in accounts receivable is sitting in our $100,000 of net income, which means that our cash flow from operations is only $80,000 in that example. Now, the fake cash method does this. You make a fake journal entry to record the change in the account you were looking at, and then you balance the transaction with an entry to fake cash. We know that a journal entry must always balance there must be an equal number of debits and credits. If you have to make a debit to fake cash, that means that cash is being increased for that item. If you have to make a credit to fake cash, that means cash is being decreased for that item. So when you were looking at the cash flow statement and you see an increase in accounts receivable for $20,000, accounts receivable is an asset, which means that it has a normal debit balance. So in order to increase accounts receivable by $20,000 from last period to this period, we would need to debit accounts receivable. So you should create a journal entry, debit accounts receivable for $20,000, credit fake cash for $20,000. This represents a decrease in cash because we made a credit to fake cash. I say fake cash because this is not a real journal entry. It's not being recorded anywhere. You're just jotting it down on a piece of paper. This is just a trick to tell you whether cash is being increased or decreased on the cash flow statement. So, once again, if you have to make a debit to fake cash, that means cash is being increased for that item. If you have to make a credit to fake cash, that means that cash is being decreased for that item. Because remember, cash is an asset with a normal debit balance. So a debit will increase it and a credit will decrease it. So if you know your ALRI, there's nothing you need to remember to utilize this fake cash method. So again, our accounts receivable balance increased by $20,000 from the end of last period to the end of this period. We see it right there in our two-year comparative balance sheet. So we make our fake journal entry. We debit accounts receivable for $20,000 and we credit fake cash for $20,000. That means an increase in accounts receivable of $20,000 is a $20,000 decrease to cash on our indirect cash flow statement. This works with any of the accounts, but you need to know the ALRI part of this. You need to identify the type of account and whether it has a normal debit or credit balance for this to work. So let's say that our accounts payable increased by $10,000 from the end of last period to the end of this period. Well, accounts payable is a liability account, which means it has a normal credit balance. So in order to increase accounts payable, we would have to credit it for $10,000. This means that we would make a $10,000 debit to fake cash, which represents that this transaction would increase our cash flow. Let's look at that logically. If our accounts payable increased by $10,000, that means that within our net income, 
there are $10,000 worth of expenses that we used accounts payable for and we have not yet paid for. It doesn't matter how complicated the item sounds, you can break down the debits and credits just like this. So let's say that our accrued expense payable decreased from the end of last period to the end of this period by $25,000. Okay, so accrued expense payable is a liability. In order to decrease a liability, you have to debit it. So debit accrued expense payable for $25,000, credit fake cash for $25,000. So a $25,000 decrease in our accrued expense payable means a $25,000 reduction to cash on the cash flow statement. Thinking logically, if we reduced a liability by $25,000 from one period to the next, we would have had to expend $25,000 of cash to do so. That's the fake cash method. Now that you know this, you should not feel intimidated at all when you see an indirect cash flow statement and you need to figure out whether you should increase this or decrease that. Another obvious thing to keep in mind is that non-cash expenses like depreciation and amortization are added back to net income. You don't need a method to figure that out. Most of the cash changes that happen in the investing and financing sections are pretty obvious as well. You need to now focus on which accounts are affected in each section, and some of the other tricky parts of the statement of cash flow, such as where to show gains on sales of assets, etc. You don't need me to tell you which items go in which section. You need to open your textbook to the chapter on statement of cash flows, and you need to create yourself some index cards. While you're in your textbook doing that, you should look at an example of the indirect cash flow statement and prove out the changes to cash using this fake cash method. It should then make a lot of sense to you. And that's when you're going to see how valuable this method is. Keep in mind that when you do everything right here, the change in cash that you calculate on the indirect cash flow statement will be the difference between the beginning cash balance and the ending cash balance. And the beginning and ending cash balances can be traced to your balance sheets. I hope you all find this method as useful as I have. As I continue to stress, this is all about the debits and the credits. LRE is the language that you must know. Please spend a minute to rate and review the show so that others can find it. I appreciate those of you who have already taken the time to do so. If you have any questions or you have a topic that you would like me to break down, send me an email at jimmy.stewartcpa at gmail.com. I'd be happy to spend the time to help you better understand any of these concepts. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you next time.